Welcome to the Nerdaplexy Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we normally break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. But it's the spooky season, the end of the spooky season, uh, where we're talking about uh, horror movies. And this is a holdover from our previous spooky or spoopy spectacular, the finale of the new Halloween trilogy, Halloween Ends. Joining us on this epic journey is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, Sam. I'm Sammy the Kid, and I'll be creeping it real on WNRD the Nerd. <laughs> it was either that or a little dick busted it. <laughs> so sit back, relax, and grab your scarecrow mask. It's time for Halloween Ends. We should mention up to this point, it's been October, and this is not the eighth entry, but it's an entry in a series that has well over eight. So, whatever. Well, And we had vowed last year, before we knew we were going to do October that we would finish the series. So Indeed. And here we are. Here we are. Finishing her up. This one was released October 14th, 2022, directed by David Gordon Green, starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Andy Matichak, Will Patton, and that guy who played Corey. I don't know. Whatever his name is. And Corey. And Corey. <laughs> Rowan Campbell. That's him. That's the boy. Of Hardy Boys fame. He's in the Hardy Boys since 2020. Oh, did they make a Hardy Boys show? It appears that they have. He looks like a slightly more handsome younger TJ Miller. That is something that I I did uh, take note of as well. Uh, but yeah, okay. So this one, the time is a little bit funky. We kind of get a little bit of everything. We start out and Halloween 2019, which I believe is one year after the events of the Halloween relaunch, with this, which is 2018. Yeah, because they felt like they definitively killed Michael then. Right. Okay, so it opens up. Maybe it's easier to add a little context. It opens up with a babysitting scenario, as Halloween often does. And the boy that's being babysat, Jeremy, who's kind of a jag, mm-hmm. he remarks on the fact that Michael's still around and he's going to kill his babysitter because that's what Michael do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mom reflects that he's been been out of shape since last year and all of the stuff that went since on. Since the Haddonfield 8 or whatever, whatever it was that <laughs> stomped on Mike Myers' head a bunch. Whatever that whole business was. So Jeremy is upset. I like that this character is named Corey and he's a babysitter. I like the Corey Laurie. It took me till three fourths of the way through the movie to be like, oh, that rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the dark Laurie here. He's the anti Laurie. Yeah. And he's babysitting Jeremy in what appears to be a fucking lighthouse. It's sick. It's got at least four floors because they have this insane spiral staircase through the middle a tower all done for dramatic effect they have a shot that looks up the staircase and a shot that looks down the staircase they have one of my favorite tropes actually Mm -hmm. where they show a horror movie inside of a horror movie which they did in the last movie with child's play oh yes 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 that's how chucky was learning the horror movie this time is the thing jeremy is kind of teasing Corey, his babysitter, saying he's afraid and Corey wants to turn the movie off. And they're doing this, you know, Mike Myers stuff like, oh, the boogeyman. Ooh. <laughs> and I feel like if you live in Haddonfield and Mike Myers has killed like hundreds of people at this point. Yes. You have to stop treating him like a boogeyman and start treating him like he was a very real threat. A very actual person that multiple people saw and witnessed. Not a boogeyman. No. I mean, boogeyman in the sense that he is very resilient, but... Not a boogeyman in the sense that he isn't real. When they say boogeyman, that to me implies that's a fictional character, like crocodile tears or something. Yeah. <laughs> something that does not exist. But this is a man who was here and has done multiple murders over multiple decades. Documented. Corey hears a noise. He's getting himself a little chocolate milk. He has a moment. He decides, do I want the beer? No. Uh, I'll have the chocolate milk. Good kid. I think that might just be because the beer was a Heineken. (laughs) Who wants those? Right. I'd rather have a chocolate milk. Absolutely. But in this time, Jeremy goes missing. And he has to run all through the house looking for Jeremy. And he's losing his mind. The knife, the the sharp knife for cutting the the muffin, I guess, or the cake, whatever, it goes missing. Uh, It was, I believe, 
I believe it's a zucchini bread. <laughs> oh, you're absolutely correct. He did say the zucchini bread was pretty good this time. Yeah. Very important to the plot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good, good catch. That's Thank a fucking, that is Thank a you. fucking solid catch. Because he said that and I was like, oh, zucchini bread. And then I was like, oh, there is zucchini bread. I love a zucchini bread. Zucchini bread's good. Nothing wrong with that. He has a slice of zuc cake, some little chocolate milk, and Jeremy's gone. He's running all over the house. He hears a noise up in the attic. He climbs the tower. He's in the attic. Jeremy, boom, 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 locks him in. Fucking real shitty move. Not a cool move for the kid. Not a cool move. Speaking of a lighthouse, not a cool move. <laughs> Stupid. Corey has a bit of a reaction and kicks the door down and inadvertently boots young Jeremy from the top of the lighthouse in the exact moment that his parents open the door to witness their son literally splat on the ground in front of them in one of the most shocking special effects shots I've seen in a very long time. It was messed up. It was brutal. The The blood splatter and everything was pretty impressive. I guess we should take a moment to point out that Dave could not be with us due to um, being so very scared by the movie that he could not talk about it. <laughs> He's been blubbering like a little baby ever since, and he just can't mm-hmm. get out of that funk. No, Dave has laryngitis. He has lost his voice. Right. Uh, but he did want us to express. He sent us a text message when he started watching the movie and said that this child splatting was a He enjoyed that very much. <laughs> he wants you to know. He didn't mince words at all. That was the coolest scene in the movie probably for him. <laughs> That is his hero. And they got it out of the way. (laughs) So Jer takes a little tumble, and then we do a little kill montage, because apparently in the years between Halloween and Halloween, the middle one kills, Halloween kills. So between that and this, there have been a series of violent deaths, suicides, murders, things of this like, and Laurie Strode has been silently haunting them all. There's also a very cool intro scene. It's always like a slow zoom onto a jack-o'-lantern. And mm-hmm. this one was like pumpkins oh, growing yeah. out of the inside and mashing up gnarly. the jack-o'-lantern that grew from the inside of, Ooh. which I'm sure there's a lot of birthing metaphors there. Mm-hmm. And this movie is very much fits that metaphor. It really does. I hadn't considered that until you brought it up. One pumpkin was being a alien style expunged from the the previous one so yes some connections there that's some analysis you get with almost 100 episodes of podcast and the last pumpkin wasn't carved yet haha the one that grew out all the other ones were carved <laughs> something to think about something to ponder a very similar situation i don't know if you've ever gotten a chance around to watching it but uh, men had a uh, <laughs> very similar ending <laughs> As the beginning of this movie. So we get a little kill montage, all the dead people. Then we have a little tragedy montage. And then we get a a little flashback of Lori's background and things Mm -hmm. that she's done in the previous flicks. And then we jump ahead. And we know that she's gone through some therapy, which is important to note because Jamie Lee Curtis, Lori Strode, is putting up spiders and Halloween decorations, still celebrating Halloween. Yes. Four years later, she's moved on. She's ready. She's got a new house in the same town, which... I understand you want to be brave. You don't want to be forced out of your own home, but my girl, it might be time for a move. (laughs) Yeah, I wrote that like eight times in this thing. Uh, Every one of these people should have moved out after like a lot of occurrences. Jeremy should have moved out of town right away. Say hypothetically, Reed, if you will, you're tasked with babysitting a small child and you inadvertently murder said child. Mm -hmm. You probably move next day. You are seen by the parents screaming, I will kill you, Jeremy. Then he falls from a great height while you are holding a zucchini bread knife. It's not looking good. It's a bad look for Core. Here's the thing. I know for an absolute fact, there is more than one small town in Illinois. You can get away without having to go too far. You can be a mechanic anywhere in this entire world. And let me ask you this. Uh A lot of stuff has happened in the news over the last several decades of people who have accidentally killed people. How many of their faces would you know if you saw them in public? Probably probably zero. None. Because they're not from your town, didn't go to your high school. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know the story of this man. Yeah, very little bit of moving has to be done to alleviate a lot of his stress. You're right. You don't have to go too far. Just Uh -uh. get out of the school district, my man. Exactly. Don't go to the Giant (laughs) Eagle by your high school. Now I've localized this. Don't go to the Piggly Wiggly. Kroger, perhaps. They're kind of a monopoly now. 7-Eleven. Those are pretty much everywhere. And all equally depressing. (laughs) And they all have 
equally depressing burnt hot dogs on a roller. That's what I mean. It's really the Sabaro of uh, convenience stores. <laughs> it's fine, but it makes you a little sad. It does. All right. So speaking of sad folks, we got a new house. We get a, a memoir montage of Laurie Strode writing down her novel or memoir or whatever it is. The stuff she's writing leads me to believe that she needs some more therapy because I don't think she's got it all together. Mm-mm. As we mentioned, Corey, he's also moved on, but I don't think he's moved on at all because he's still living around town with his mom, working at a scrapyard from his stepdad. He seems really nice. That was the kill that I felt really the worst about. Yeah, that sucked. Because he didn't do anything. Like, the mom, okay, fine. Let's say here, from here on out, this is very spoilerific. Technically, this is still in theaters, but it's also streaming, which is a really weird model. Yeah, so we're going to be saying some stuff. Yeah, we're going to talk about all of them. I'd like to give you an opportunity every once in a while. We haven't said too much yet. Right, yeah. And the thing is with this, it's a horror movie, so knowing the plot really doesn't change too much of anything because it's mostly about vibes and like the, the suspense and the kills. So oh, yeah. we're both going be going through all the kills. So if you want to be surprised by those, and there's some that might be worth it. Some classics are being played. That's all I'm saying. Some of the hits. Classics. Yes, that is true. Some of the hits. Let's lay out the characters here. We have Corey, who works at the scrapyard. We have Lori, the survivor. Now we have her granddaughter, who is Allison. And that's the majority of the characters. Will Patton also makes a return. Um, he's not dead, which is nice. It's good to see him again. I like seeing his face. Yeah, he's... <laughs> There's a weird romantic comedy element to this, which is like kind of sweet but incredibly boring. There's a lot of romance in this, and it's between several different um, folks, some you may not expect. Lori and the Will Patton character, I don't care what his name is, it's Will Patton. Will Patton. And then Allison and Corey. Lori hooks them up after she helps... Corey's being bullied by some teens at a gas station. <laughs> Not just teens. He's being bullied by banned teens. What kind of revisionist history nonsense is this? I have that note. I There's a, there's a kid with a mullet with drumsticks. Mm-hmm. A kid with a mullet and drumsticks never bullied anybody. The one kid is still wearing their band jacket. Which, as a former band kid, is the fucking nerdiest shit I've ever There's heard of in my whole life. one thing you don't do. It's not a Letterman. You didn't earn it. You just bought it. And he's an Illinois kid with, like, a horrible Brooklyn accent. I mean, <laughs> it's a really strange thing that they tried to do here to make the nerds be the bullies. And I'm sure that they had that in their notes, like, we're flipping this one on its ear. It's not the football kids that are that are beating him up. The people get beat up by the football kids are the ones that are going to beat this kid up. That's how low he is. Yes, yes. <laughs> they they hassle him into buying them beer so that they can get real turnt before their big performance that they've worked so hard for. Yeah, they've and got... <laughs> he doesn't respect that how hard they've worked on their performance, so they beat him up a little bit. It's a Saturday night. <laughs> it's the home show. <laughs> they really, <laughs> they really need to get keyed up. Probably that guy in the uh, in the jacket is the drum major. I have to assume he looks like he, he looks like he has really good tempo. I thought that he was a football guy. I thought it was like one of each kind of nerd. No, it's not a melting pot of nerds. They're all band geeks. <sighs> the dynamic is really strange, and I can say that as one. I was in drumline. So he gets hassled. Lori comes to the rescue, and then they fucking they fucking. Pop his tires. Yeah, Lori suggests that he pops their tires. He's setting him on this path. And gives him a knife. Which they mention later, which is absolutely true. She literally does, and she introduces him to Allison. They hit it off. Love is in the air, and so is fucking murder. Maybe I'm just cynical, but it seems really forced. It seems really strange. I don't really buy it. I have some notes on what would have made it better. Okay. The plot very much follows this kind of a deranged love story with Corey, this freak in this town as he's perceived because he killed mm-hmm. a kid and then allison who is a member of laurie strode's family who they perceive to be the reason why michael has killed all those people right so you know they sort of share that the direction i wanted them to go is have allison be a little bit weirder a little freakier because of it yes and then they could have turned it into a bonnie and clyde type movie that's what I was hoping for. Because Corey, is the spoiler, will end up killing a lot of people. And a lot of people that Allison would have wanted to have killed as well. 
So it would have taken nothing for Allison to be like, you know what, exactly what I thought was going to happen. Allison saying, you know what, let's kill these guys. You know, they- She basically says this much, but yeah. she's being metaphorical. And I was hoping that she would have to confront that with like the doctor and the assistant. Maybe he would like call her and be like, hey, come here. And like have them be like, hey, let's stab these fucking fools. Yeah. You know, like and make her directly confront it. But instead they foist that decision off on Lori. Right. And make her confront that. Which I think really takes away the, a lot of agency from the Allison character. Yeah. Because she only ever gets like half of the story. The other big spoiler that people wouldn't like about this movie is they sort of tell you this is the last showdown between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. And that takes up like six minutes of this whole entire runtime. Fucking that was that makes me really mad. Yeah. It's mostly Corey. I was really disappointed that this movie didn't start on the same night of Halloween Kills. Yeah. I wanted it to be a direct continuation. And then that Halloween ends. Not four years later. That sucks. It's stupid. Yeah. Because this is like Halloween begins and then also ends. It felt like if they had called it Haddonfield a Halloween story, I like this movie. And I'm saying that, I'll say that up here sort of towards the beginning slash middle. It's fine. It's got a good vibe. The romantic, psychopathic, stuff doesn't bother me at all i think it sort of lends some sweetness you feel bad for Corey for most of the movie because he's treated terribly for this accident that he couldn't really have done anything about yet again here's another parallel to the last fucking movie there, there's like these connections that just keep happening by accident because i was watching this movie i'm thinking it's chucky all over again mm-hmm. and then there's another point where he's just gone too far like, well, you fucked it up now. He's killed somebody who he shouldn't have killed. Up until a certain point, he's killing people who deserve it, who have really wronged him or wronged Allison or... Or actively trying to kill him. Right, yeah. To be fair, the person who, who he shouldn't have killed, it wasn't him that killed, killed him. It was actually that band kid shot him in the head by accident. That's right, that's right. I forgot about that. So he did mostly kill people who he should have killed. Let's continue. Tires popped. We see Allison's work life... Because Corey got his hand sliced up in that altercation, they're cleaning up Corey and stitching him up. So that's their little um, meat cute. And think of a clever one for that. It's a meat outburst <laughs> where the, the doctor's like working on his hand and Corey karate kicks a table across the room. Is meat suture meat suture? <laughs> I don't know. Because everybody shortens suture down to suture. Oh, man, I had to get, I had to get three suches, bro. <laughs> Got to go in for a quick suche. <laughs> a little suche such, bro. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis has a weird quote trying to convince Allison to date Corey. You know, you need to find someone that can let go, that makes you want to rip off your shirt and show grief your fucking tits and say, you know what? Let's go. So that was weird. Oh, my God. She'll grief your tits and tell them to fuck off. And then she throws pumpkin guts on the ground. This is your ground. You have to pick that up. I have to say, the fucking tonal shift from the last two movies into this one, I understand that's, like, what they're trying to do, but I don't think I enjoy it. She's like, I'm no longer a badass. I'm just a regular old lady. I'm not really buying it. No. My friend. They don't lean into that at all, where she's trying to be a normal lady, but she's still like Sarah O'Connor, like killing machine. Right. But that should be bleeding through still. She's trying. The town isn't letting her forget either. Right. So that's the other flip side of the Corey thing. So we get a glimpse of Corey's home life. His mom is nutso. Uh, Stepdad's super cool, though. But not really helpful. I think he should be stepping up a little bit more because the mom's actively like emotionally abusing and physically abusing him. Mention another movie. It seemed a lot like Psycho, that like kind of domineering, or more like Psycho 2, right? That's the prequel. Yeah. So it's more of like that domineering mother thing that doesn't help somebody who's already kind of mentally jacked up. So we see Corey at the scrapyard. The band guy with the pop tires is there, and he sees the uh, the band guy's dad. is He's not a very good dad. He's not very nice to that band guy. So you get you get to see why maybe he's treating him poorly. It's just some motorcycle lessons. Allison comes to learn how to ride and Very get cute. her car fixed, all this. Cute stuff. I'm still rooting for Corey at this point. They go to a Halloween party, and Corey mm-hmm. gets dressed up as a scarecrow at Allison's request. And they keep doing things, and I'm like, oh, my God, I get it. They're going to frame Corey. Michael Myers is going to like take this sweater and this mask, and it's going to frame Corey 
for these murders. But that's not exactly the case. For some reason, at this fucking rave, at this youth party, the 50 fucking, I don't know however old, too old to be at this party, mother of Jeremy is at the bar as Corey and Allison are having a great time. He goes to get another beer and she's sitting there and she's like, you killed my son. And he flips out and blames Allison and said, why did you make me go in there? This always happens. Like, my dude. Corey should probably have moved towns. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever you could say this always happens, you've settled into the wrong place. There's another parking lot altercation. There's a couple in this movie. Lori gets one. Corey gets one here. And... I've been rewatching New Girl recently and mm-hmm. Corey White Fangs, Allison here. <laughs> go on, get away, get. Listen to me. Go, go, go. Go. Also from Harry and the Hendersons. Get out of here. Can't you see we don't want you anymore? Why can't you go back where you came from? Leave us alone. Yes, yes, it's very similar. John Lithgow, classic. But on the way home, Corey's walking home dejected. He's just white-fanged his girlfriend. He just gave her the old Harry and the Henderson. And he's walking home, sad and alone. And the band kids, they're riding the high (laughs) of their band competition on Halloween night. They're fucking psyched as hell. And they see Corey, senior drumstick. He's there. He's got his drumstick. And his mullet. He got it all. He brought it with him. And his mullet. They accost him, and they're trying to fight him. And you know what? Corey, he's not going to take it. He's not going to be hassled by these high school kids. He had to defend himself. He had to stand up for himself is what he tells Lori later. So he pulls out his little pen knife and the drumstick guy karate chops it away. He hits it with the drumstick and it goes flying over the bridge. Of course. And then eventually the band kids in a fit of peak throw Corey over the bridge and leave him for dead. Post-band competition. Get so worked up. Sometimes you just got to throw a kid over a bridge. (laughs) They probably just got to see a drum corps. They probably came into like a little uh, exhibition there, and they're probably like, yeah, Madison Scouts are sick, dude. Their fucking GE score was low again. Those judges never respect them. They're playing favorites. (laughs) We're we're really drilling down. I want to have... Drilling down. Oh, oh, I'll just make the most specific podcast. This this podcast <laughs> is for fucking 13 people. Okay, so Corey is lying presumably dead at the bottom of this ditch, but... As luck would have it. As we saw before, there's an underbridge man who lives there, and then something spookier, what lives in the sewer nearby. He gets pulled into the drain pipe for something of an apprenticeship. So the next morning, he wakes up. The sewer light shines just right through the sewer. And goes to escape, and from out of a crag, a big arm grabs him, and there is some eyeball magic. There's a transference of spookiness into his eyeballs. I don't know what happens here. He chokes him, kinda. He puts some evil in him, I guess. He leaves here, and then he's almost murdered by a bridge man, and then murders the bridge man in self-defense. And then it's like he's infected by Michael Myers. I wonder how Michael Myers was living in this drain pipe for four years, eating like sewer rats and stuff. The bridge guy says that like he... Oh, he brings people in there all the time, yeah. But it seemed like he was all depresso in there. Yeah, I don't know. It was so strange. He was like a vampire living on rats. He didn't get enough like quality kills or something. I don't know. He can't even come all the way out of the drain pipe until he kills something more substantial. But he didn't even want to kill Corey. Here's a thought. Did he look into Corey's eyes and see the fact that he was like beleaguered and like preyed upon and a victim so it wouldn't be worth killing him? And then Corey saw in Michael Myers's eyes that he should be a predator and not prey anymore. Is that what they're going for? I don't know. It's so strange. A lot is shown and not explained in this, which I Appreciate. I mean, I don't need to know. I don't need to really understand it so long as I can get like a a realistic through line. It really felt to me at some point it was going to be revealed that he was like Michael Myers' son or some fucking bullshit. You know what I mean? I don't know. It seemed very strange to me. So anyhow, Corey's got the Michael Myers disease now and he takes Allison and they return to the scene of the accident to look at the bloodstain on the ground where fucking Jeremy was splatted, which... I don't know. 
seems weird and you get a nice little flash there's a moment where you see that he has a little pinky ring that he wears yeah for one payoff later that doesn't have anything to do with the plot no it just is confirming your suspicions the bit that really proved that michael myers had infected him was him standing out by that bush yes he's like standing by the bush and then laurie came out and he wasn't there and i was like oh yeah mike myers got he got into him he got mike myers eye magic now Yep, and Jamie Lee sees something in him. She sees that evilness in him. Didn't take her but a minute to notice it. So then they head off to a restaurant, Corey and Allison, and the cop that Allison was currently dating has a little interaction with them. And Corey, there's like this scene that's supposed to be tense, but I was just really bored. And then we get a little, uh, some more of the romance stuff, like a little kiss scene. This was the only part of like the romance that really worked for me. He dropped her off and then gave her like a goodbye kiss. And she was like, do you want to come up? And he was like, later. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. Pretty smooth. I like that. And then you see the cop is tailing him. As far as the tension in the restaurant, I feel like it was somewhat earned because it was, like you said, it was the cop that she was dating. And she sort of already said she was with somebody else. And he, once he realized who it was, he started like trying to be like to intimidate her. Yeah. Which wasn't really cool. And then Corey stood up for her saying like, she said that she's with someone and you have to get out of here. And even still at this point, I'm like, yeah, that's probably the right thing to do because it backed him down, de-escalate by escalating. But then Doug, the cop, does tail him, like you said, and he <laughs> he goes he goes down under this bridge where the Michael Seward pipe is, and he sees a tent with a light on, and he thinks, all right, I'm going to bust this kid's ass. And he opens the tent, and the dead <laughs> old guy comes out. Doug Mullaney does not like to be messed with, he says. And he sees... <laughs> He sees Corey go into the drain pipe laughing. And I know that he wanted to beat that dude up, but shouldn't he have called in the corpse that he found? Like, called for backup? He could still have plenty of time to kick that kid's ass. Just call it in, and then if you want to chase him down with a gun at that point, once he's in once he's in a sewer, you know. He just ran into a sewer. Where the fuck's he going to go? Right. He's got to come out eventually if you want to just wait him out. Obviously, you could tie him to a murder. So if you're trying to get him out of the picture from Allison, this is probably the way to do it, right? Get the cops involved. <laughs> like immediately call this in. Yeah. There's a corpse, the stabbed corpse, and he's the only person here. You're off duty and have been drinking and have been following this man to your ex-girlfriend's house and stuff like that. Right. The chain of custody, I don't think, follows under yeah. a bridge, though. So I think he's pretty well <laughs> within his rights to call it in and say, like, hey, I followed this dude. I shouldn't have done. But, you know, and if he wants to press charges for that, great. But pretty sure he killed this guy. Right, right. And uh, yeah. let's just look around here for a murder weapon that was probably thrown like a girl into the hillside <laughs> instead Corey goes he 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 and runs <laughs> into a sewer laugh. pipe and <laughs> Mulaney cannot fucking resist he's gotta get after this man I wanted to punch him after I heard him cackle like that that was I feel bad for the guy but I'm gonna beat him up I have to tell you right now that we're about an hour in the movie maybe even like an hour 20 where nothing absolutely zero fucking things have happened to this point. Two people have died. One accidental kid okay. and one self-defense old man. Plot-wise, nobody. The first one, I'll give you. Not much moving. Michael is still depresso. You've had the cold open kill, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. And, and not that I, I need a horror movie to be full of kills. Now, there were 300 kills in the last one, for the record. <laughs> pretty sure. Right, 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 right. And, and that's what I'm saying. I don't need... They probably figured we could slow it down here. I don't need more every single time. I don't need them to build and build until infinity. But, but... Would be nice. <laughs> I just want any plot at all. All the plot is is like, oh, this guy, they're cute and they like each other. Oh, that old guy, we, we get along pretty well. Maybe we should do a Bridges of Madison County. That's like the only thing that has happened. And Michael Myers has made one appearance... Here we have another appearance where we finally get some Michael action. But I guess this is why we haven't seen it so far, because like you said, Michael is weak. He's only been killing rats and hobos or something. <laughs> Vagabonds that fall off the train. That doesn't give you the strength you need. You need to be killing off-duty drunk cops. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. We see that Corey has led Doug to Michael Myers so that Michael will kill Doug and he can be free of it. But it doesn't work that way. Because Michael is not strong enough, and Doug Mullaney doesn't take no shit. He kind of gets the upper hand. And then that forces Corey to take action and give him a couple of some stabs. And then Michael does remember that he loves to be stabby. <laughs> but 
Doug is like laying on Corey's lap and he's like stabbing this gigantic knife through him. I'm thinking like, you're going to get your thigh stabbed. Since Dave's not here to Dave down, it just seemed very dangerous. There's a moment where you do see Corey because the first couple of stabs and they're weak and then he starts stabbing with vigor and Corey's like, oh, I'm about to get fucking stabbed myself. Yeah, let me back up a little. Another character reintroduction, Jeremy's dad shows up at the pool hall. Oh, yes. Talk to Lori. Yeah, turns out legit good guy. Doesn't blame Corey for his son's accidental death. He blames the town. Yeah. He has a really cool little monologue where he's talking about how he didn't appreciate the way that Corey was treated after his son's death because he felt like it was the town taking his grief and making it theirs. This is a really nice part of the movie. He's like, I didn't blame him. And he's like, and I just wanted to let him know. And then he's like, and then I looked at him and my man was fucked up. And I said, <laughs> yeah, I had to go. Even still after seeing that, he said, I know the kid that used to cut my lawn didn't kill my son. But, but that dude who I saw on the side of the highway, he was troubled. He was on a dark path, they often say. It's around this time that Lori finds out that Allison and Corey have done the deed. So that makes her extra suspicious. Lori is following him around and goes to talk to Corey's mother mm -hmm. and finds out that Corey's mom is fucking mean as hell. And a very bad person. Yeah. Some subplot stuff here. Mm -hmm. Allison was supposed to get a promotion at work, but somebody else got it who probably didn't deserve it. And you find out that the doctor is having an affair with that woman. Yeah, the new assistant head nurse or whatever. Right. And this Corey tracks down ah. and gives Dr. Mathis quite a head stabbing. Oh, he's fucking him up with a corkscrew big time. But he gets locked out. The woman who got the raise because of the affair was able to shut Corey out. But hey, as luck would have it, Michael's in town. He helps out with a little two-hander. <laughs> he, and he, as I, as I said, he plays some of the hits, and he sticks this woman to the wall with a butcher knife, and I really enjoyed that. That was another really good moment because like, you just get to see the scale and scope of this Michael Myers character. The shape mm -hmm. is just so large and intimidating. In these kind of shots, it makes you realize why sometimes he makes people just fall down in terror because it's such an opposing figure. That's a lot of creature coming at you, you know what I mean? So yeah, this is cool. And there's a moment when Corey looks in the window as Michael Myers stabs this head nurse through the chest and pins her to the wall like a butterfly where I'm pretty sure you could have called this movie Halloween Finishes <laughs> because he he does, in fact, have an on-screen orgasm. You know, I, <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was having a fever dream, so I just sort of left it unremarked, but <laughs> as you mentioned <laughs> it, he was doing some jerking. Yeah, Halloween Finishes is very good, actually. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Maybe Swallowween. <laughs> If unrelated to that scene. Ugh. And I think maybe it stars Laurie Chode. Laurie Chode, I think. Um, only only if Laurie Chode is like a little Chucky version of Laurie. <laughs> there's Laurie and there's Laurie Chode. A much shorter. Like the Jennifer Tilly, uh, Laurie Strode version. Doesn't matter. Bad joke. Um... <laughs> we get to um, we get to see Corey's mom be a little more nutso again. He's telling... He's basically saying he wants to leave and uh she slaps him in the face yeah he gets kicked out of the house and he um decides the best place to sleep is this scene of the <laughs> fucking accident on the blood stain that jeremy left on the fucking ground pretty morbid but you already get the idea that uh cory's he's kind of gone past that point of no return yeah but also the stepdad has a really nice line whenever he finds out that cory's moving out and he says i hope you find love i was like oh that's that's really nice. I know. It's a good guy. A lot of good dads in this one. So Lori confronts him and says, hey, I know you're fucking nuts now. I saw that you have Michael Myers' eye magic in you, and you've got to stay away from my granddaughter. Corey goes off the rails so hard that he comes at Michael Myers, and they do a little bit of sewer wrestling, and he grabs the mask. There's also another fight between Allison and Lori. So, you know, with their parental units, they have a little fight. It goes not great for either one of them, but the band kids, they've had enough. They're out for fucking vengeance this time. They got second place in the championship, the tournament of bands. That fucking GE judge. 
they can't kill him, but they might be able to kill Corey. So they go to the junkyard to finish him off. But right, so they see him and they say, he's dead. They should really be surprised that he's alive if they hadn't seen him until now because he did fall off the bridge. (laughs) And they were pretty sure that they killed him. So not much is said or done about that after that fact. I want to talk about these kills one by one. Mm -hmm. So the very first kill is Drumstick. And Drumstick gets his drumstick in his eye. Pretty good. It happens off screen. It's a discover kill. The next one is the girl who, at this point, has done nothing wrong other than be around these people. And she is uh, run, uh, the gate runs over her, and she is trapped in the chain link. Pretty cool. If this was made in the 90s, she would have been on the other side of the chain link, and the uh-huh. truck would have run into her, and like little bits of her would have come out the other side of the chain link. <laughs> she gets her head squished pretty good, though, but not before getting off another line, because the one girl who's in the band jacket gets wrenched. wrenched to the head. Then the jerky guy shoots the stepdad, who's come to the rescue of the kids. And then before, before the jerky kid is killed by a welding torch in a pretty brutal scene. That was very nice. The girl who's trapped in the chain link, he says, everybody's dead. And she says, you're dead too. Yeah. What? Not like, hey, look out. He's right behind you. <laughs> Just commentary. This should be the last thing you hear. Um, And she gets her face stomped, which yep. at that point, she hadn't done anything wrong. And then she did a quip. And I'm like, well, that's it. You you absolutely earn your death now. Gotta kill her, huh? You could have made it out of this one alive, I think, maybe. He stomps her head in and then runs over with the truck. Then they do some really cool POV camera work like the original Mike Myers, which I enjoy. Little Mars. uh, Where he's walking into his mom's place and he's going to the silverware drawer to find the knife. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it it cuts away, but you know, he kills her and I'll show later that he did. They go to the radio station, Corey and and Allison, go to hang out the radio station. They have a little altercation with the man at Dwarg, W-U-R-G. The Urge. There's a couple of different moments that happen that I was expecting to mean literally anything, and nothing really does, because they set up the guy at the radio station a couple of different times. The opening was really cool. I thought that was pretty effective, and then it didn't lead to anything. And then he's killed, and the radio station is burned down, but it, it doesn't really mean anything. I will say the DJ kill is probably one of the gnarliest kills I've ever fucking seen. Yeah, pretty choice poetic end to the big mouth dj had his tongue cut out and caused the record to skip we check back in with Lori. um she's walking through her house and making a phone call and calls in her own suicide so she calls in her own suicide is about to do it here's a noise and then you hear the gunshot pow and a splatter but it's just the fucking pumpkin on the mantle she shoots the pumpkin she wants to get that pumpkin stuff all over the house and then she turns as if to say directly to the audience, uh-huh. Did you really think I'd kill myself? To her credit, if not to her aim, she does shoot Corey like four times right in the chest plate. And then he goes over the railing. Yeah. Poetic, huh? Really cool. Huh? Coolest thing he does, she says, I'm not going to let you take my daughter with you. You can't have her. And he, he parrots the thing he said earlier where he said, right. If I can't have her, no one can. But this time he just says, if I can't have her, and he picks up a knife and stabs himself in the throat to kill himself and pin it mm-hmm. on Lori. So, like, you know, your daughter's never going to trust you again because she's going to think you killed me. Yeah, you're thinking that he's, if I can't have her, I'm going to kill her and no one can have her. Right, but no. So it's like, if I can't have her, neither can you. I'm going to make her hate you. And yet again, she walks in at the perfect time to watch Lori tried to save him by pulling the knife out of his neck, which, you know, he shouldn't have done. She should probably left that in there. No, it's a really bad move. It's just a PSA. If, if someone has a piece of metal in them, just leave that thing in there. Just try to bandage it up as best you can. Allison walks in at the right moment, sees the fact that it looks like Lori has killed Corey. She runs away. Michael Myers walks in and... Somehow, he was still alive anyway for Michael to kill. Because Michael comes in, sees his mask on the ground, scoops it up, and then breaks Corey's neck. Now it's the movie that I thought it was going to be the whole fucking time. Lori versus Michael, and she set up a couple of traps. She set up a little spaghetti trap for old Mikey. 
<laughs> this is too much. This is too much. This is the most ridiculous shit I've ever seen. She puts micro- spaghetti in the microwave. The spaghetti explodes and distracts Michael and she comes out to attack him. And they have a pretty decent kitchen fight, but the spaghetti bomb, I I cannot forgive. But you say you would have wanted this to be like the whole movie? And how many more of these would they have had to go through? How many more gags would she have had to come up with had they hung too long on this particular exchange? I just, I don't, I don't know what I expected this movie to be. It would have just been, it would have been Home Alone. I mean, I kind of, I'm kind of okay with that. I know yeah. she said they didn't want to do traps again, but like still... I guess you get that in Halloween Kills. Right. They did traps. They did. There was a million kills in that movie, and there were a million gnarly kills in that movie. So I think they thought, let's end it on a just a different note. You know. I really thought that the people in the town were gonna be start doing their own. That like the Corey, like the Michael Myers disease would spread mm-hmm. or something, because that that community element was so huge, and I don't think the payoff is really here. I don't think the catharsis. Yeah, the only way that it spread is in the beginning where they said, you know, those people have killed themselves that were that were even tangentially affected by Michael Myers and they killed each other in a car and so there were there were still murders happening in Haddonfield that were unrelated to Michael but were related to fear and Michael is an overarching theme. To kind of to wrap up a kitchen fight happens. Check it out. It's pretty gnarly. I don't want to go through it all, but it ends with Michael Myers being staked down by his hands with knives onto the countertop. He gets pinned down real good. He gets pinned down real good and is slowly like executed by Lori, where she like cuts his throat and like cuts his arm. After he has died, the cops finally show up because of the suicide. They have like a corpse parade to prove, and I guess this is supposed to be the catharsis. They drive the corpse tied on top of their car like a fucking dead deer. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very pissed off at this point in the movie. I, mean, I hate this. I think this is so fucking stupid. They're like driving them around like this doesn't, this isn't the ending that I was hoping it was going to be. But then they finally get to their destination, which is not the police station, the morgue. Nope. It's the junkyard, and everyone has been walking and following this corpse like a religious journey, and they walk to the junkyard, and Lori picks up Michael's body and chucks it into a <laughs> fucking metal shredder. Yep. And you watch a body get ground. <laughs> no cuts. <laughs> no cuts. <laughs> they grind a human body in front of you. I I was bored and I hated it. And then they ground him. Yeah, they mashed him like a pumpkin. They really fucking did. And it's just like the end of Child's Play. They remark, he's not dead enough. Yes. And you got to do everything you can think of. This is what everyone says at the end of every horror movie whenever they get their final scare. It's like, you should have shot him in the head. Why didn't you shoot him in the head? He's laying on the ground. Just keep going. Don't stop until he's just a mashed potato. And this time they didn't stop till he was a mashed potato. That's correct. They went for it. They left nothing on the table, so to speak. He exploded like a water balloon. It was fucking gnarly. I don't know if he's just more frail, though, at this point, after four years of, of being all depresso in the sewers. But Allison, whenever he, he gets kind of like a, a chance to choke Laurie Strode out, but Allison shows back up and then breaks his arm like a little <laughs> chicken wing, like a wishbone. And it just can't be that easy to break an arm as she makes it look. Also, he has something of like a wild looking soul patch. Oh, yeah. he It was like a weird, long, wispy chin beard. They've been four years since he was all melted. So I guess I'll buy that. Right. So there's not much of his face that can grow hair, probably, on account of all the fires and things. So there's a little brief epilogue where Will Patton and Laurie Strode get together. And then... A series of shots of empty rooms in Lori's house and then roll credits. It's like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> what the fuck was that? It was so strange. Like, you had the perfect ending to your horror movie. Cut back to Lori Strode's face one last time in the junkyard as everyone is cheering. And then, like, fucking credits. I don't care that she, like, is, like, emotionally stable and she's moved past it now. Yeah, the fact that she threw his fucking corpse in a grinder proved that to me closure credits they should have showed his body getting pooped out at the bottom of that thing <laughs> like in a fucking jigsaw but hey that's pretty much it that was halloween ends it it certainly ended which will take us to uh 
IMDb Trivia Corner. Okay. Nick Castle has a non-Michael Myers cameo for the first time in the trilogy as a partygoer. The guy who flashes his costume at Corey and says, see anything you like? That's the shape. Oh. The original shape, Nick Castle. Oh, cool. We said that they watched The Thing, which was directed by John Carpenter, who directed Halloween. And... It's a double-layered shout-out. As the characters in the original Halloween were watching The Thing from Another World, which is the movie that The Thing was based on. Yes. So, pretty cool. Double shout-out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a remake of the, the movie that mm-hmm. was being watched in the remake. I'm good with that. I also did want to point out the music was done by John Carpenter and his son. They played a part in this, the music as well. For this trilogy, they redid the um, Halloween theme. It's basically the same, but it's like a little cleaned up. It's a little bit different now, but still that that same old, same old. During the final confrontation, Laurie holds up a knife to sort of show Michael's reflection on it, which is uh, a callback to the posters for Halloween 5 and 6 and Resurrection. I remember always, you always see like the movie poster with the knife in Michael Myers' face. So they they kind of do that in yes. the movie, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I didn't put that together, but you're that is that is a true thing. So, um, that's pretty much it for this one. It, it is still in theaters, I believe. The budget on this one was $20 million. It opened to $41 million, which I'm pretty surprised at. It's currently at $58 million worldwide, and I think because of Peacock, that'll probably be it. It might get another boost here. On Halloween, yeah. On actual Halloween. I'm guessing it might get close to 100 I don't think the word of mouth on this one is going to be too great. I think there's some good stuff in here, but I don't know that it really excels. But... Before we determine whether this is uh, spooky or spoopy, let's talk about who's your hero and who's your villain. My hero is Jeremy's dad because he had to face that grief. Yes. And he's able to contextualize it appropriately and place the blame appropriately and even try to make amends for his part in the ruination of another kid's life for an accident ultimately right so i think that's pretty good quality he knows his son was a little dookie boy (laughs) i think i'm gonna follow in your footsteps my hero is gonna be Corey's stepdad straight up he was a nice guy he was coming out to help he was trying to defend that little bullshit kid and his friends and uh got shot in the head for the trouble now i should say you probably shouldn't have given a fucking rifle to a teen especially not a band kid yeah that being said he didn't do nothing wrong he was trying to help no he was a sweetheart he gave Corey a job i mean he's dating Corey's mom and all that but uh or married to Corey's mom but he gave him a job he gave him a motorcycle he was late to work i was thinking he's gonna fire this yeah. dude he gave him a motorcycle i'm like this dude is pretty cool for a boss and then you find out he's a stepdad and he just wants Corey to find love and all this, you know, he's just a sweetheart. It's a good guy. He is. It's a good guy. So that leads me to my villain is whoever decided that the band kids should be the bullies. <laughs> <laughs> the most unrealistic bananas bullshit I've ever seen in a horror movie. And I watched Phantasm. I believe that if you drop a man into a compactor of sorts, he's that that they captured the realism there and what that might look like. And yet they still decided to make the band kids bullies, and there's no realism. <laughs> there's no realism there. That's that's nothing. No. There's a million other groups that are that are better suited to be bullies. It could have been like what the art department. <laughs> at least they're gothic, you know. At least they have a, something of a mean streak in in the stereotypical movie verse. Right. There's a kid with a big black boots and he has a knife, you know? Maybe that's what they were going for. Maybe they're like, who has never been the bad guys in a movie? The band. The sweetest, most saccharine group you could think of. The band. The band. All right, my villain's going to be Corey's mom because she's... Okay, solid. Right, she's she's no good. Even though she's still somewhat supportive of her son, it's in a kind of creepy way. It's bad. She's saying anyone would be lucky to have Corey and all this other stuff. And it's kind of like... It did feel a lot like Psycho, like the, the, you know, the mother had kind of too much of a relationship relationship with her son, and it wasn't like a healthy one. It was like one of nagging and extreme oversight, maybe a commentary on the helicopter mom phenomenon. Yeah, you can kind of see that the accident really didn't do her any favors and certainly didn't do their relationship any favors either, and you can kind of tell that like she blames 
him for the town, like thinking badly of her now mm. too. You know what I mean? Right. It's taking someone's someone else's grief and making it your own. Yeah. There's a good theme for the movie. I 100% agree with that. So I think we might have different opinions on this. Critics and the audience had pretty similar opinions on this. From Rotten Tomatoes, this one has gotten only a 40% from critics. The audience, not much better at 57%. Personally, this is really tough for me to determine. I mean, whether or not this is spooky or spoopy, it doesn't feel like a continuation of the series, really. This seems like its own fucking thing. I can't tell you, like, why, maybe what would have been better, but I was hoping that it would be more closely related to the last movie. Mm -hmm. Some of the characters that survived. I mean, we see some survivors but not any of like the actors the crowd never has to reckon with their mob behavior they killed that fucking guy for no reason there's no riot reconciliation there's no uh, i don't know i think that there's a lot of potential in one and two and it's hard to close a trilogy but if this was a planned trilogy from the beginning this was your ending because i remember saying last year that i wouldn't have been satisfied with Halloween Kills as its own movie. But I felt okay because I knew a third one was coming, but there's such a big divide between Kills and Ends that it doesn't even feel like the same. This feels like the start of the next trilogy, not the end of one. So I think I'm going to call this one spoopy. There's good kills, but I didn't enjoy my time. I enjoyed it. I like the romantic. I like the Corey character. I feel like it was acted very well. This is, I think, the first time in the series that anyone besides Michael is the killer. So it's kind of aping something that Jason does a great deal. Mm -hmm. Starts out with Jason's mom, becomes Jason, becomes a different kid. They're always kind of like changing the formula. And this is the first time any Halloween movie has changed the formula in such a distinct way. And I think this is the lowest kill count for Michael Myers in any of them. I think he only has three kills in this movie. That's fairly remarkable. I like that they did, I mean, the same reason why people hate Game of Thrones, because they tried so hard to play with your expectations by the end. They were just like, oh, well, we're just going to trick you. You know, if anyone has a really good idea right. on Reddit, we're going to make sure we don't do that. <laughs> we're going to zag so far away from that. I feel like this did it, but I think it did it in an okay way. I wish they had done more with the relationship between Corey and Allison. It's just kind of like a, all it did was serve to make him seem like he was still kind of normal but also still wants to kill people. It's like he wanted this normal life. He wanted to run away from Haddonfield. And he, maybe he wouldn't have killed anybody if he had done that, but he wanted to make sure before he left that he killed the people who wronged him the most. But if they had done more to make Allison more degenerative, more against her grandmother, who she blames for having been the cause for her parents getting killed, right? then you could justifiably have that Bonnie and Clyde the Halloween series doesn't have to end just because Michael Myers is dead. Michael Myers dies, but they get away. You know, like that's the continuation. That's the next series, isn't it's a Halloween movie, yeah. not a Michael Myers movie. You know, something like that. All that to say that this is not the last Halloween movie. Come on. The fact that it's already tripled its budget and it's still in theaters is gonna pretty much guarantee. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis said she's on board to make more Right. So Jason Bloom confirmed there will be more films because Malik Akkad has a clause prohibiting Michael Myers to be killed. <laughs> But any future films will likely follow a separate continuity. So, okay. again, knowing that they wanted this to be an open and close beginning and story, I don't mind the way that they took it. I think it was a novel approach to something I've seen a million times. Mm -hmm. Like, I've seen every one of these movies, and they're all fairly formulaic. Well, not as much as Season of the Witch, but... And I would say Season of the Witch was pretty ballsy at the time to take something that's working so well and just say, like, yeah, but we're not doing that this time. Right. Try to move into more like an anthology series, yeah. Right. So this kind of had more of that feel. I wish that it was maybe 20 minutes longer so that if you had to tell the Corey story, that you also also telling the Lori story in equal parts, you know? I think you could have lost 20. This is like an, uh, about two hours, an hour, what, like an hour Well, 50? put it this way. If you took 20 minutes out of the Corey story, mm -hmm. add 20 minutes to the Lori story, you know, I think that probably would have put you in a sweet spot. 45 minutes each. I think for that same reason that you want to say Corey is a flip side to Lori, then give them 50-50. Right. Equal representation. I think that would have been a more interesting movie 
but that's not really what they do. They set up so much stuff, at, but and they don't knock anything down. And I think that's the issue for me. Michael just he just wasn't he wasn't as cool in this one. He was very just kind of down in the dumps. Like the last one broke him. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the last episode, we were like, "Well, he's obviously supernatural. He's been doing all this crazy stuff." And like, you get you get a quick montage of all his kills from Halloween Kills, and they're all very cool. And I don't know, the energy just felt very strange in this movie. It felt very off. I mean, I might maybe I'm cynical, but the romance shit didn't work for me even a little. I was not charmed in any way, shape, or form. I was charmed. I was rooting for. Corlison. In that case, we are we're a split decision here. So let us know what you thought about this one. Head on over to nerdaplexy.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter at nerdaplexypod on Twitter to let us know what you thought about this movie film. While you're there, you'll be interacting with our social media manager. He is Dave, and you can check him out at the face of Dave. You can also send us an email if you like at nerdplexy at gmail.com. You can hit me up. I'm at pgh underscore read on pretty much all the socials. Sam's at pgh underscore svh. And yeah, let us know what you thought about this spooky or spoopy season. I hope you enjoyed it. But until we meet again, we'd like to leave you with this thought to ponder. I don't understand how Michael Myers is not a cottage industry of Haddonfield, Illinois. Like, why aren't there, like, Michael Myers gift shops and, like, oh, the spooky Michael Myers tour? (laughs) Right. That's the route I would have taken for this one. After the big massacre and the riots, they, like, start the tour, and then, oops, the dubs, Michael Myers, he's actually here. What's the one with with Buster Rhymes in it? I feel like they do something like that. That is H2O. I think that's the one he's in. Because that's the first one. That one's got Josh Hartnett. Oh. Oh, cool Jay's in that one. What a little handsome boy. I'd like to give him a tug. I'd like to give him a big hug. Probably like hugging a tree trunk. <laughs> you say you're going to give him a tug? I'd give him a tug too if he wanted. I don't know. I'd like to give him a tug. He's in um, <laughs> Halloween Resurrection. There's a competition to appear on in an internet reality show called Dangertainment. And the students have to spend the night in Michael's abandoned childhood house. So they do something of it. But that's. Again, that's a different series altogether. Yeah, I don't know. Do towns of serial killers own it more, do you think, in real life? I don't know about serial killers. Like, If it's like a colonial one, yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Right, it'd have to be old enough. Like, you don't have a Jeffrey Dahmer. You probably do have a Jeffrey Dahmer tour. Probably. People are fucking bleak, my man. What would the Michael Bakery be called? <laughs> you know, like a like Cakes and Pies michael's cakes and die or something or like um <laughs> a pizza shop would be like michael's slice and dice Haddonfield slice what's the signature burger <laughs> <laughs> a michael a michael murder burger the mur- yeah michael murder burger a murder burger murder burger murder burger i love it michael's murder burger Hey, it's the face of Dave. My voice came back a little bit, so I wanted to do my quick summation on how I felt about Halloween Ends. Uh, First off, the quote that I chose was, if it's not sexy, it's not Halloween. Um, I feel like this movie opened up so strong with with a solid Dave's thing. Uh, You you love to see a little shit kind of get what's coming to him in a horror movie because you, you don't see it often enough. Um... I mean, Jeremy was acting tough, but his mom knew he was scared. But he was still being a little shit to the babysitter. That's not cool. Corey didn't deserve that yet. Um, I kind of thought this movie started off great, and then every 15 minutes got about 15% worse. The it was There were some good kills, some good effects, but the, the story kept getting dumber and dumber and dumber. But, I mean, what can you do? It's a Halloween slasher. It's still very fun. It's still scratched that itch. I would, I would definitely call it spooky. Worth the watch if you watched the 2018 Halloween and Halloween Kills. It's It'd be crazy to not watch Halloween Ends. Um, my hero for this is Lori Strode. She tried her best to raise Allison, but she was a bit too twisted to make it work out really well. Uh, my villain is Corey, the babysitter. Sure, he didn't mean to kill the first kid, but he did do a murder later, 
for uh, for almost no reason. I guess just because he looked in the eyes of a killer, he became a killer. He kind of let that evil in and became the monster that the town said he would be. But uh, yeah, that was that was my quick summation. Sorry, guys, I couldn't be there for the record. <laughs>